0: This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 654 of the Dressage Radio Show, official podcast of the United States Dressage Federation on the Horse Radio Network, brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products, Horse Report System, and Total Saddle Fit. On today's USDF show, we've got another great interview with Iris Birdrow about what it's like to lead a group member organization of the USDF. After that, we chat with performance coach, Claire Morrison, and then Jody Kelly is back to give us a great trainer tip.
1: Rhys Coffler-Stanfield from Loxahatchee, Florida.
0: And this is Phillip Parks from Rockwood, Ontario, and you're listening to the Dressage Radio Show.
1: Well, hi, Phil. How are you up there in the north
0: uh, anywhere else? I don't know else. If you heard, but we, we got hit with uh, a pretty big snowstorm over two days this week, which mm. is fine. So yeah, I actually got Canadian. some, I got you're, some you're, accounting done and some paperwork <laughs> done and some some reading done so you know yeah. it's nice to have a day off now and again
1: It it, it is actually a nice to have a, a day off we kind of help for rain down here um and we're like please make it rain for half a day that would be great uh then we go to a movie or do something like that so oh i'm thinking about everybody up north it is uh you guys are getting hit again there's a big ice storm going to my home it's not good and so i i really i i think of everyone in the ice because that's so difficult so be careful for sure we, we've had winter here. If anybody watches my Facebook page, um, <laughs> <laughs> the falling iguana. So this is the funny part of winter in Florida. I thought this was a joke. Like I used to be like, that's, that's a joke. No, falling iguanas are a thing. And we've had a poor iguana in our tree that has fallen twice now. <laughs> so the first time I think it's a she, cause it's a female, I think. Uh, after extensive research on iguanas and I'm really scared of, I'm, I'm really terrified of snakes. I can't handle snakes. So iguanas are pretty darn close to a snake. Uh, not quite, but they're pretty bad. So uh, this little thing fell. I was having a lesson with Richard Malgrave. We were long lining. Thankfully nobody was close to the tree and we heard it and we're like, what is that? And we're like, Oh my gosh. So that was early in the week. And then the poor thing fell out again. So it had a rough week. And uh, the falling iguanas are a thing in Florida. So what happens is they just shut down essentially. Um, again, extensive Facebook research. And they, <laughs> you know, they're cold they, blooded.
0: They're, they're cold, cold blooded. Yeah. So they uh, they just stop functioning yeah. if you uh, if they get cold enough and,
1: and they fall of the trees.
0: Uh, and then they're fine with that as long as their blood doesn't freeze and and then they you know, they get some sun, they warm back up yeah. and they're alive again.
1: Right. So exactly. this, is, so- this is
0: the, the, the latest in the, in the white fences, wildlife,
1: Wild- wildlife, exactly. I mean, we get some wildlife, so I'm going to keep it up because everybody seems to think it's really funny. <laughs> I did not <laughs> think it was funny at the time. And then it fell again when I was riding again. Thankfully, I was not under a tree. I was on the other side of the arena and the horse didn't really even see it. So. It was, it, that one, he fell out again and it was a little more awake because this time we kind of wanted to zhuzh it with the, this, I did not. Lily, my wonderful assistant for the season, she she doesn't mind the iguanas. So she was like, I'll zhuzh it. I was like, great, because I'm not zhuzhing. And it was in the middle of the ring. And so, oh gosh. So it was funny. So that was kind of an interesting event this week that I never thought would happen in my life. That iguanas would truly fall from a tree. <laughs> uh,
0: yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, this problems, is Florida. Florida
1: this is Florida problems, exactly. I can't wait <laughs>
0: until you get a giant, a giant anaconda come up from your canal. I, I,
1: I, I would just die. I would just. I'm telling you, I'm so scared of snakes. I would just freeze. Like even the thought of it. I'm like. <laughs> yeah if a snake I, i've only seen one snake here and i was like burn the bush down!" like i can't i'm I'm afraid of them so uh anyways
0: but how's the, horses? how's the horses the
1: horses are good down here we've got our neighborhood horse show this weekend um so i'm looking forward to that big mike's gonna go and and really truly we're gonna talk about this on this the show and and moving forward is you know going to horse shows for fun uh sometimes i don't go to horse shows i mean they're fun after but they're not they're really stressful, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they're fun after um so I'm looking forward to this weekend. We'll see what happens um i I have uh, you know, I just want to enjoy my horse and I want to enjoy uh doing the freestyle. It's his first time at this level doing a freestyle, so I'm looking forward to it so um all right, cool, yeah yeah and okay. and coach Tony. Everybody that's, um, listens to the show, coach Tony's coming down to visit and I'm, I'm really stiff. So I think coach Tony, I need, I need his help. And so we're going to, oh, he'll be here all weekend. So I'm really looking forward to that as well. So should be a fun weekend.
0: Hey, great. 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 Yeah.
1: I love it. So uh, onward and upward, but we have a great show for you guys. We hope you're going to enjoy all our guests and keep you warm. And uh, we're thinking about you guys and everybody stay safe this week. And uh, we hope you enjoy
2: the show. He was her first love, the one that started it all. He taught her how to master the posting trot and navigate her first hunter course. They spent hours together exploring the trails and hanging out in the barn. His name was doodled on every page in her school notebook. His coat gleamed in the sun as he met her at the gate each day, snuffling for a treat. From the first time she saw him poking his head out of the stall to the last time she patted him goodbye, he was, and always will be, her everything. This love story is brought to you by Nalox Advanced providing complete support for a healthy digestive tract, which reduces the risk of colic and digestive upset. The horse that matters to you matters to Kentucky Performance Products. Call 859-873-2974 or visit kppusa.com to order today.
1: Founded in 1973, the United States Dressage Federation has become the largest organization to represent a single Olympic equestrian discipline At nearly 30,000 members strong, USDF is your connection to dressage education, competition, and achievement. Visit usdf.org to learn more about USDF education, competition and award programs, and to shop our online store. Again, that's usdf.org, your online destination for dressage. Well, tonight we're really excited to have my new friend back on the show, Iris Birdrow. She is a Bentley University professor and the MBA director there. And she is the NIDA President. I'm I'm bowing, Iris. Thank you for coming back on the show. Thanks for having me, Reese. It's really exciting to be here. I love your show. Well, we're we're happy to have you because, you know, I don't think we've ever interviewed a president of a GMO, and and NIDA is a very very large GMO. So, can you tell us a little bit about it? How you got started, and and we'll talk about what is it like to be a president of GMO.
3: Sure. So, NIDA is the New England Dressage Association. It is the largest single chapter GMO of USDF. We've got um, over 1,200 members. It was started in 1972. It's a large organization. We've got 22 on our board, five on our executives, and then a whole lot of event managers and uh, coordinators. We have to contract people and accountants and um a technology webmaster person so it's it's a significant organization
1: oh it's huge yeah it's like you said it's 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 a very large one so how did you get involved
3: with nita so i've been riding dressage as an adult amateur at a low level for a while and i went to um in mass i'm from massachusetts and there is uh, a big equine affair, which is a huge event every fall where you can go and buy everything that you ever need for any kind of horse and sport. <laughs> and walked by, um, Nita had a booth there and didn't know anything about it and talked to some people, signed up, and so became a Nita member. And then I was um, riding with Lainey Johnson, still am, and she was on the board. And so she suggested that maybe I might think about coming on the board. So at first I came on as a a member at large, and then I took over as membership coordinator and did that for a year until the role of treasurer came up, and that was more suited for me. I have an accounting background, so that felt a bit more comfortable. So I was treasurer for four years. And then when Phyllis LeBlanc retired from the president's role some people encouraged me to run, and so I've been president now for two years.
0: And that's how it happens, hey? You know, they yeah. they they trick you yeah. into these things, yeah. and they oh, it'll be fine, Definitely. and you can just volunteer yeah. on your own time. And you know, I'm sure right. they told you all of that. And then all of well, a sudden, all of a sudden, you're you're the treasurer, and you're like, okay, well, I've got some more <laughs> responsibilities here. And next thing you know, you're you're Boom. the you're the president. Boom.
3: Yeah, I I sometimes think it's the fault of not stepping back fast enough. (laughs) (laughs) We're not going to that meeting. (laughs) Right, right, right. But it's actually been hugely rewarding, really educational. Um, As you can imagine, through COVID, there's been some real challenges. And it is, you know, it is a large organization. And I come into it not as a, a professional horse person, I've been riding all my life, but certainly don't have, you know, anywhere near the um, the experience in dressage or that, you know, all of you have, but I come at it with a business perspective and an organizational perspective. And, you know, I'm president of a, another active organization that's a volunteer. So that, that part of it is in my swim lane, so to speak. So
1: my background is my mom was president of our Kentucky chapter for ever like 10 years or something. Yeah. So, you know, it was, it, it was part of our life that we would go to the board meetings and, and serve on whatever committees or do whatever she needed. And so, so I, I have, have lived it as well. And, and it's a, it's a really, what would you say the role of the president is? Because it's a difficult role because it's a lot of diplomacy actually.
3: It is a lot of diplomacy. You know, as treasurer, I like to say I got a lot of stuff done. I put in a lot of policies and procedures. We were growing as an organization, you know, so so really I was the the policy wonk, right? As president it's a very different role. Um it's really about peer leadership. You know, you you represent the organization, but you also I it came to me that this is and this is pulling from a um, a business term, but it's really about act local, think national. The GMOs really you represent your local community and give your local community opportunities, but you are a representative of the national organization of USDF, and that partnership is really important. You know, all of our members, part of their dues goes to USDF. There's benefits that we provide to our members, and then there's benefits that they get from USDF. But the other part of it is that as the GMO, we influence USDF. You know, the GMOs vote on um, issues through the governance at USDF um, at the annual convention. Uh, you know, we have delegates that we can send to the convention, and they have voting rights on usdf issues we can influence usdf through policies and practices uh, especially through the regional directors so it really the gmos really sit between the the local dressage community and the national dressage organization and that puts the president in a you know sort of a boundary spanner role because you're representing your own organization and and you're representing it for all of your members through in our case the board not all GMOs are, are large enough to have or require a board but then you're also that communication between the local and and the national organization and there's some tensions that can come up between that. There are some very positive symmetries. You know, there's some alignment there that that can really benefit both. But at the same time, you know, every once in a while, there's some things that might come up that are a bit, require some conversation. Yeah. Yeah.
0: You know, yeah, what, I, sure. what I what felt when I was uh, president of a really local club and and what was hard is determining... You know what is the will of the membership and what is my own personal thoughts and and biases towards whatever the issue what i mean it's usually rules right and so yeah. i had you know you have to try to represent the membership who think one way and and take yourself out of it even you know like you can be very easily convinced that i I know what's right i mean especially being a uh, long-time professional in the sport, like, I know what's right, and, I, I, you know, and, okay. and, and not just doing that, and, and because, like you said, you you are representing a group of people, and, and not just acting in what you think is the best interest of those people.
3: But at the same time, you're setting a direction, you're keeping people moving forward, towards something, and, and they may collectively decide what that something is. But I think the leader, whether it's the president or, um, you know, for smaller GMOs, there's still something that you're trying to achieve. You know, and I think the number of times as president that I've come back to our mission statement and said, but this is what we say we do. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that you you have to keep all of these very strong personalities moving in the same direction not irritating each other too much. Creative irritation is (laughs) okay. Dysfunctional irritation causes sleepless nights and a whole bunch of texts and phone calls. Um, You know, and and you sort of have to sometimes be the peacekeeper, sometimes be the delegator, uh, sometimes be the reminder. You know, but one of the things I've learned is that you know, as treasurer, I felt like I, I had some things that I was getting done, right? There, there were some, some things that I could really point to, you know, at the end of the year and say, okay, here's the things I did. As president, you're sort of, you don't really have a lot of power. And the only time that you really kick in is organizing the board meetings and when there's a crisis.
2: <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah, which is and a lot sometimes.
3: <laughs> yeah, fortunately, we have such a fabulous organization with such great event managers and coordinators and committee members and people who are really dedicated that when problems come up, it's it's not because somebody's not doing their job. It's because, you know, there might be some, some tensions over resources or uh, some different opinions. Phil, as you said, you know, we all have our ideas of how things should work, and so it sometimes it's just playing, uh, you know, sort of being the mentor and being the um, the sounding board for people. So it's a very different role,
0: it's uh, it, yeah, I mean, it's really tough, and and you know, um, people people have a lot of passion around this sport, you know, whether it's their hobby or their livelihood. And, and, uh, yeah. you know, everybody, you know, everybody wants it to go in a positive way that just may uh, differ about what that is. And when, when you get a bunch of passionate people together, it can, it, it can result in, in some conflict and, and a, and a good president or like a, a good CEO can get people, you know, some people to Agree, agree on, 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 like you said, the, the mission statement, the, the direction that, that it needs to go and that everybody can agree on that.
3: And to also recognize all the different stakeholders. So, you know, in our membership, we've got people who are riding at, at Grand three levels, who are professionals, whose livelihood depends on their, their riding, their students, their business. And then we've got people like me who are adult amateurs who, you know, just dearly love our horses and, and hope that um, we can maybe get to a couple of shows in the year, but not really sure how. And so there's a vast range of needs and uh, perspectives between those, right? And Nita represents them all. And so when we think about things like, Schooling shows and fall symposiums with Carl Hester and Charlotte Dujardin, you know, there's there's a big range of activities in there. Now, the great thing is that means that there's lots of opportunity for people of of various levels of interest and expertise to find a place to volunteer and to, to contribute and to benefit. At the same time, that's a lot of activities going on and at some point you've got to make decisions about you know well we've got limited resources most of the resources are through volunteers but also financial and you've, you've got to make some tough calls on yeah. things and so sometimes yeah. it's about telling the event manager you know you, you just you can't pay for that you're gonna to have to figure out something else <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, no, it's true. And and I mean, that's what, you know, really at the end of the day, our sport is built on the GMOs, your local organizations, and, and we've and all volunteers. been a part of them and volunteers yeah. and, and, volunteers, and right? all volunteering yeah. and uh, all yeah. levels of it. So I love it. Well, Iris, how can our listeners, if someone is interested in Nita, how can they find that? Or if they have any questions for you, uh, what it's like to be a GMO president, if there are some GMO presidents or, or board members listening and like, oh, we really want to talk to Iris, how can they find you online? So you
3: can get me through my email address. It's B-E-R-D-R-O-W-I at Nita.org. If they look online, to the NETA website, NEDA.org. If you become a member, you get access to the TIP, the OPL, uh, all kinds of programs. We run the NETA know how sessions on Thursday nights. Um, we provide our members with a discount to Ridley now. Um, oh, so there's, cool. there's all kinds of that offers. But I, I would also recommend that, you know, if you're not within the Nita area, find your own GMO because there's something about community, you know, especially in these days of the pandemic, like just being able to talk to people about what it's like. I know there's a snowstorm coming back home and I'm, uh, you know, my friends will not allow me to send any more pictures or make sunshine jokes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well,
3: yeah, it's, a, it's yeah,
1: true. I'm with them, I'm, with
0: them. I'm on Bill that. Bill
1: does I'm, not want to yeah. see any yeah. sunshine jokes. I don't
0: want to see anything yeah.
3: from
1: with a palm
0: tree in it.
3: No, he doesn't yeah. want to see it. <laughs> so just to reach out to, you know, people in your area and say, oh my God, I hate riding with the snow sliding off the roof, right? Um, there's just such a power to having that community, that support, and and being able to use that community to learn more about this sport and learn more about USDF and, and you know, get access to opportunities. So, I would encourage everybody to look for a GMO within their area. And if you're in uh, the New England area, please come to Nita. You know, we are a fabulous organization, provide lots of um, really good perks to our members. We'd love to have you.
1: Fantastic. Well, Iris, thanks so much for coming on tonight. We so appreciate it.
3: Reese and Phil, thank you. This has been a lot of fun. Really appreciate it.
1: PlaidCast is North America's most listened to horse show inspired podcast with over 200 episodes hosted by me, Piper Clem, publisher of the Plaid Horse magazine. Listen in to hear guests, which include Olympic equestrians, top hunter jumper and equitation riders, trainers, vets, farriers, horse show managers, and industry insiders discussing topics that matter, horsemanship, collegiate riding, the state of our sport, and horse show how to's for riders at every level. One episode each month is devoted to the mental side of your ride with nationally recognized mental skills coach and author, Tanya Johnson. You will also hear insider stories about how the Plaid Horse magazine comes together every month.
0: No trainer has time for endless phone calls and text messages informing owners of training progress and updating their teams on care plans. That's where the concept of Horse Report System originated a centralized system that can help busy trainers easily communicate with their team and with each horse's owner about training and health needs. From there, the vision expanded to organizing demographic data needed for competitions like microchip info, breed society, and sport association numbers, as well as storage for photos and important documents. Based on input from professionals at the elite level of equine sports, the system grew to include everything a busy professional needs to keep their horses in top form and their owners engaged with the horse's progress. Today, Horse Report System is continuously evolving to provide equestrians of every level and discipline with the most convenient and user-friendly way to provide optimal care for their horses and easy communication with their team. Well,
1: tonight, we are so excited to have Claire Morrison on the show. She is a performance coach, and she has coaching credentials from the International Coaching Federation, an undergraduate degree in psychobiology. Claire, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you so much, Reese. It's nice to be here. Yeah, so Claire, we we have a mutual friend, and she has connected us, and so I'm really thankful she did that. And uh, we wanted to have you come on and, and talk with our listeners about what a performance coach does, um, kind of some things that you work with with your your with your clients. But first of all, Claire, tell us a little bit about yourself and how'd you find yourself in the dressage world.
4: Oh my! Um, so I rode uh, at, a, at a hunter barn in high school. Took a took a break. Um, for, oh, 20-ish years, got back into it with a friend who had um two small children like I did and four warm bloods to try to get out. And um, she switched me over to dressage. And then I moved to Indiana and met our mutual friend. And um the rest has been history yeah, since 2005. I've been pretty committed to the sport and has br- that is what brought me to what I do now? Um, because hmm, I want to say in the late 2000s, I had such horrible performance anxiety that I literally stopped showing in the middle of the show. We were we were there. I'd shown one day, and I was like, Oh my god, I can't! I I, I can't! You know, I'm in the I'm in the in the bathroom, ostensibly changing my clothes, but I'm just like crying and going, I can't do this! I can't do this! I can't do this! And I yeah. went out, and I said, "I can't do this," <laughs> which is okay.
0: But yeah, that's, that's fine. I mean, a lot yeah. a lot of people when <laughs> it when it comes down to it, you know, feel that way. I'm sure you've experienced a lot of a lot of people that that maybe get to that point where it's just like, this isn't fun. This is my hobby. Exactly. I I, exactly. I don't want to do it.
1: Yeah.
4: No. Exactly. And a lot of people then just quit. Quit. Right. And I, I did do that for a little while, but then I was really I missed the horses right? We get into this for the horses, not necessarily for the competition as adult amateurs, right? And then I was really curious. I was like, why can I do all these other things in other parts of my life that are, you know, some people might think are high pressure or, or, you know, a performance situation and I can't do this one. And I just got really quiet and curious about it. And I found out there are such things as, Performance coaches, <laughs> yeah, and worked with sure. one, and was amazed at the transformation. And since then, I've I've um, ridden at finals a few times um, at the FEI level, and. Help! I actually help a lot of people in our barn <laughs> daily, and then and then my clients. But I then started researching and and learning and getting training and the coaching credential. And I was like, this doesn't have to be debilitating for anybody, you know. Whether you're a professional or an amateur, or whatever, and you should be able to enjoy what you want to enjoy, you know. And so when I think about performance anxiety, you know, a lot of people think about it as competition, you know that. You, in that situation, um, and I broaden it. Broaden it. I mean, there's you're stressed about going and riding with a clinician, some big name person, right? Or just somebody different, or riding in a different place than you usually ride, right? Even in a regular lesson, your your trainer asking you to do something you haven't done before. I mean, because we've all seen those people like deer in the headlights. They can clearly not hear what their trainer is saying, or even if you're, you you know, you want to be able to ride around the front hayfield, but for whatever reason, you, that's not a comfortable place. You're anxious about doing that. If there is anything in the way of you enjoying your horse, it it can be taken care of. It can be it can be cleared, and you can you can have fun.
0: So maybe maybe you can uh, you know I don't think we have long enough in our interview for today, but uh, <laughs> you know, like give us some scenarios or some uh, situations in which. Um, Just changing, I guess it's about changing perspective or, you know, what is it that that helps people get through these um, anxiety problems?
4: So for me, there is a huge sort of sea change shift, right? We have practiced being anxious over and over and over again for years and years and years. And anxiety on its face is not a terrible thing, Right the, you know, a Google definition of it, not a mental health definition of it, but a Google definition of it is about an unknown outcome of a, of a new circumstance, right? You know, you go to a horse show, you're not quite sure what's going to happen. So you have a slightly higher alert about what's going on and who's where and what you're doing, right? That's, that's okay. That kept us alive, (laughs) you know, when we were out on the right? right? But when when you do that and it's not really necessary, I mean, nothing, our our lives, our modern world is not that dangerous a place, right? We are not going to be eaten at any moment, but our mind still keeps going down that path, right? And we, like I said, we sort of practice that and it becomes sort of the, the, the default way we're thinking and feeling. And the feeling part is really important because those feelings dump chemicals and hormones and this cascade of, of, of biochemicals goes through your body and has a physiological effect, right? Your heart rate increases, your breathing increases, gets shallow, your muscles get tense. All those things happen, right?
0: Corticosteroid, and, yeah. Yes. All that yep. good stuff. And,
4: yep. Right? Exactly. And you... At some point, lose the capacity to actually think very clearly, and all of that stress and tension—you are not being a good leader for your horse, right? They're like, "Mom, why are we upset?" Yeah. Right? they're herd animals. Like, if we're upset, we got there's something to be upset about, right? So, absolutely, yeah. That's how that sort of snowballs. So it's that practiced anxiety. So mm-hmm. what I try initially to do with clients or, you know, when I'm giving a, um, a talk, I, I, I say, what do you want to be practicing? And what you want to be practicing is something that dumps different chemicals into your body so that you have a different physiological response. So what can you practice that does that? The, the simplest ones are Gratitude. And you hear about gratitude all the time, right? You keep a gratitude journal, write down three things that you're grateful for at the end of the day. And that's an excellent sort of mental exercise. But the more you can actually lean into that and feel that gratitude, you are literally going to change the physiology, the biochemistry of your body and start building new neural networks that you can then use in a situation that might be anxiety-producing, right? You practice the anxiety, so you got to practice this new thing instead. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you're, you're either, you either either get good at being anxious or get good at, right. um, you know, kind of uh, being unanxious. Right. I would, is there a word for that?
1: Yeah,
0: just Stay like, you know, kind of doing it. something to, to, uh, intervene in, in, in the anxiety cycle of things.
4: Exactly. And so that's what I call it, a pattern interrupt, right? And I, I usually challenge people to start it by thanking their horse as they get on, as they get off, you know, however many times you can't do it too many times because think about how often you're practicing anxiety, right? Practice, <laughs> practice the gratitude.
0: I'll just, uh, give you a little example. I mean, my personal, way, way to, to get in there is just being grateful to be able to, you know, ride a lovely horse at a show.
4: Absolutely. Mm-hmm.
0: You know, that's that's my own personal gratitude. Like, oh, you know, like, oh, I want to get a good score. I want to blah, 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 blah. And then I get going with that sort of, you know, internal conversation. And then I just have to break mm-hmm. that and just say, I'm just happy to be here. You know, isn't yeah. it a beautiful day, even if it's pouring rain? Is you know, aren't <laughs> isn't everybody here lucky to be able to do yeah. this and, and and that kind of Absolutely. thing? and that that really works for me.
1: I think it puts it in perspective too. I think for me, you know, I and, and I've been open about this. I've I've had anxiety throughout my whole career. I mean, it's something that I you know I'm making notes now because any any tip and anything that you do is super important. And I I listened to a talk or or something where they talked about this. The gratitude is when you go around that ring, um, which is I used to like not be able to feel my feet. I was like, oh my God. And then I panic because mm-hmm. I couldn't feel my feet. Right. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh my God, I can't feel right. my legs. I have to have my legs to ride. You know. So it's like a whole internal cycle I would go through. And and this is one of the things I do is I go around the ring and I always stop and adjust my coat and just take a deep breath. But in that moment, I am literally saying, I am grateful to be here and I am grateful that I get to compete this horse. And I am grateful that I get to be a part of this because really at the end of the day, we're not curing cancer. We're riding a horse in a circle, m- maybe small circles, but <laughs> <laughs> you, you know I think it helps me a hundred percent. This is something I do every test and it really does help. And I, and I love that. Thank your horse. Just have a moment of just silent thought. And and that has really helped me. So I, I totally believe in what you're saying because it's something I do every time now.
4: And and so the other thing that you said that's really important is that it's a ritual now, right? Yes. You don't you, you don't you probably even have to remind yourself. You're just there in it, right? Yeah. And that's because you were intentional about it and and showed that personal leadership that you're like, I, I recognize that there's there's some anxiety here. What can I do about it?
0: That sort of gratitude, you know, for me is is uh, important, you know, if they're even in training at home, you know, and I'm just working on mm-hmm. something, working on something, like sometimes like you have to take walk breaks. That's good for, you know, your horse's mental state and, and you know, the physical state. But, you know, during those little walk breaks, just just unfocus for a mo- moment on, you know, what you're actually doing and just sit, you know, and just be in your own moment and, and with your horse and just saying, like, it's, you know, everything's going to be fine and I'm grateful to be able to train and, and I'm whatever it is going on in, at, right. in that moment. It's just like, if this doesn't get solved today, it doesn't matter.
1: Yeah, it's okay. It is. Okay. It's okay.
0: I'm just, I'm just happy to be here and, 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 and hopefully tomorrow uh, I'll have the opportunity to fix this problem, you know, in that way. It's just, it's just good to, a good way to practice every, every day or every ride or, you know, whenever you're on your horse, you, mm-hmm. yeah, you have to do that. I
1: was, I was just going to ask you, um, you know, you were talking about a ritual and a routine. Um, that mm-hmm. is something that has helped me over the years kind of, you know, I, again, I always have anxiety. It's, it's always there when you compete, right? The, mm-hmm. Like you said, it's normal. Um, and, and you do have to learn that, right? Like this is normal. It's, it's okay. But one of the things that I've done is I definitely have a routine when I get ready, mm-hmm. how I get ready, uh, you know, if you see, if you're talking to me an hour before I get on, I probably won't talk back and not, not because no. I'm just, I just try to put myself mm-hmm. in a very quiet place while my sister, when she was competing, we were competing together. She liked a lot of activity. That's how she prepped. Mm-hmm. And that just made me insane. Like, cause I'm like, <laughs> I can't, you know, but, but we each had our rituals. And then of course, cause we're sisters, we had to figure out who did what and how we did it. And I won. I, I sent everyone away. She got to go away. Like, she could go somewhere, but like at the stalls, that was at my quiet place. Like, so, you know, we had to work that out. But, you know, I think that's also a big thing, isn't it? Is having a routine and a ritual, isn't it?
4: Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, a, a sort of odd thing about equestrian sport is that in, in most sports, you go to the locker room and get ready, right? Mm-hmm. We're in the middle of a barn, right? And so Mm -hmm. learning, like, I have a barn mate. Once she goes to braid her horse, don't talk to her. In fact, run interference so her mother isn't trying to talk to her, right?
2: Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm.
4: And, And understanding what each other's routines are and helping sort of protect the sanctity of that routine.
1: No, I think that makes sense. Really important. Like said, every athlete's different, right? Everybody gets different ready differently. And I'm I'm super routine oriented, and I'm super quiet as I get ready. I I don't like a lot of activity; it makes me more anxious. And Philip Phillips coached me a lot at horse shows too. Like, I have a certain way I like to do it, and and that works for me, and that helps me kind of control my anxiety. Um, and I think Absolutely. you're right because your student, you know, I do that with my students. Like, what do you want? How are we going to do this? And I think being open to that, and like you said, sometimes, and, and and people shouldn't think you're being rude or nasty or anything. That I was worried about that. I thought, oh, people are going to think I'm being so mean. But, you know, I worked with a coach, and, and my coach is like, just tell them, like, this is what you need to to get ready for whatever right. you, you want. So
4: I, I developed a workshop around this. Um, we had a junior rider in the barn who was asking her mother every 10 minutes, you know, not even 10 minutes, every two minutes, what time is it? Like she didn't know where she was supposed to be at any given time. And helping people develop that routine, it's like, what are the things you need to do how long do they take? You know, at different, ho- at different horse show grounds, they take different amounts of time, right? You know, how long it takes to get to the ring, how long it takes to get to a bathroom. Do you need a flush toilet, <laughs> you know, before you, yeah. you know, working through all those things and sort of knowing what those things are that you need and then being able to sort of work backwards from when you get on and um, developing that routine can take the anxiety level way down. Right. 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 Just by having it mapped out.
1: Yeah. For sure, no, I think that's so true, and you know, again, I think this is why working with with a performance coach or is is important, right? And and getting some of these strategies and and doing some workshops. So right now, I know it's so cold up north and yucky, and this is a great time to really work on this. And and I, you know, I, as you can hear, I mean, I've worked on this because this was a really big thing for me. Um, and it was when I was younger; it was a debil- it was quite debilitating, right? It was really difficult for me to to do it. And so I think it it is something that you know, having a coach and doing some workshops and that type of thing, I think it's really important. And, and I think if you're a coach, it's great because you learn strategies on how to help people. Uh, if you're a rider, mm-hmm. it's great because you can help yourself and you can help your barnmates. Um, so I think it's really, it's, it's a really important thing that it's, it does. Like you said, it takes work. It, it, you have to put some effort into it and you have to really think about yourself and how you're going to prepare yourself. And everybody's a little bit different is what I found. And mm-hmm. so that's why having someone to help sort of tailor what you need is important.
5: And I, I really appreciate how
4: open you're being and have been about your own anxiety and that it's normal and that everybody is a little bit different. And even people that you wouldn't necessarily think are normal or anxious, maybe are, right? Just, just because they look calm, cool, and collected doesn't necessarily mean that that's the case.
1: Yeah. And um, so. in, in, in all pretty much all high performance riders that I know have have a coach for this and have someone in, in, in you know, when you make a, a team, you actually the, the Olympic team provides you with a sports psychologist. So that's actually when I started really getting to know what this meant. And so it, it, you don't know that because it's not something you, all the riders are like, oh, guess who I worked with. But um, it it is very well known in, in the high performance world. And I think it's great that it's going, because everybody works equally as hard. You know, everyone's working hard. And this is a factor for a lot of people, not just in competition, you know, with all areas of riding. And um, so I think it's great. I think, Claire, what you're doing is fantastic. And, um, How can our listeners find you online, get some more information, all that kind of thing?
5: So I have a Facebook page, Claire Morrison Performance
4: Coaching. And uh, my website is Claire Morrison Performance. Those are the best ways to, to reach me. And in this brave new world of Zoom and um (laughs) <laughs> it's, yeah. it's easy to to run a workshop or do a talk. I've been doing a lot of talks for um, dressage societies and um, the workshops over over you know Zoom it's, and yeah. then it's convenient for everybody. The other thing um, that this sort of opportunity would be available for is if you if you are running clinics, you know, having some sort of speaker at lunch um, around some of these topics as well. Um, it's right. been a really um, uh, big uh, way of of getting the message out.
1: Great. Well, Claire, thank you so much for coming on, and we really appreciate it. And hope everybody takes it to heart and works on this. It's an important topic for all riders. Awesome. Thank you so very much. Well, Phil, as always, we love the Total Saddle Fit products, and you've got a cool thing for us, don't you?
0: Well, I, I think uh, you know if people are not engaging in Total Saddle Fits. Uh, you know, on their socials, I mean, that's, that's fine. But I would encourage people to go over there because, uh, you know, Justin's always kind of doing redesigns or thinking about his products. And so there's kind of a poll that came up on uh, earlier in January about a design change to the um, Total Saddle Fit Stretch Tech Shoulder Relief Girth. And uh, I thought it'd be cool for people to, you know, kind of vote on the design of the product that they like. And so, I mean, there's always kind of interesting stuff going on over there on Facebook. I'm sure it's on their Instagram and, and all the other social media stuff too. So I just want to encourage our listeners to go over there and, and, you know, like total saddle fit uh, products and engage in their, in their socials because uh, there's got interesting stuff going on over there.
1: Yeah. I love it. So again, total saddle fit.com total saddle fit on Facebook and Instagram, I think uh, as well. So we love their products and, we have a great Total Saddle Fit Tip of the Week from Jody Kelly, and we hope you enjoy it.
0: This week's dressage training tip is brought to you by Total Saddle Fit, home of the shoulder relief Girth at totalsaddlefit.com. Well,
1: for this week's Total Saddle Fit Tip of the Week, we have Jody Kelly on the line. Jody, welcome back to the show. Thank you very much. So you have a great tip for us. We were just chatting. We finally had to stop chatting and get it on the tape. So what do you have for us this week?
5: So my trainer's tip is something that I can't claim for myself. I learned this at a trainer's conference down here in Wellington years ago. I wish I could give the trainer credit, but I honestly don't remember who said it, but it was one of my favorite things ever. Somebody asked the loaded question of how long should a warm up be? And his response was, it should be as short as possible, but as long as necessary. And um that's my training tip of the week. Don't don't overdo it, but work it through until till your horse is thoroughly warmed up. And um I just love it. I use that line all the time.
1: Yeah. I love it. And and I, and I think, you know, it's, it's just like somebody asked me the other day, kind of going the same thing. Well, do you warm him up long and low? And I said, it truly depends on the horse. It, it depends on the horse. It depends on it, It's so many factors, right? And my program, I don't have, I, you know, my two FEI horses, they warm up completely opposite of each other because they're yeah. pretty opposite horses. Like they can't. Yeah. So if you Absolutely. saw me warm up one, you'd be like, wow, she warms them up really short, you know, really short and quick. And the other one, I get long and stretchy. It, it, yeah. it just depends.
5: <laughs> is, yeah, is the it all depends on the horse. There is no generic warm up that's one size fits all. But yeah, that's such a, I loved that line of, and it was, he answered it so perfectly. When I heard somebody ask that question, I thought, oh man, I can't wait to hear this. And right. it was such a perfect answer. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's and that's so true it it truly varies from horse to horse
0: adding to that i was just going to say that it can vary depending on the day or or how the horse yep. feels you know like some days they're really sharp and ready to go and then you might just say you know what just slow this down let's get the back swinging a little bit and then the yeah. next day they they come out they're like oh, a little slow dragging their toes and you're like oh no now my my warm up needs to be focused on so i you know you got to kind of think of uh, you know your goal for the day, or your goal in the horse's training overall. You know, um, week to week yeah. or month to month, and it can change. Yeah. It can change every single day. To, you know, depending on all of those things. So,
5: yeah, yeah. Well, and I have a day of the week, like my horses and I developed it just because of this this theory of you know not not going on to work until they really were really honestly in the warm up, and it's and it's not. And I always tell everybody like warming them up is not just getting their blood pumping through their body it's not just them moving it's the the whole throughness the connection the hind leg that it's all working and balanced and ready to truly go to work but my horses after their day off they have what i call a warm-up day and i spend i they only work in a warm-up frame but it's sometimes some horses i go for a long walk and they do 10-15 minutes and they're good to go for that day some of them it takes me the full 20 30 sometimes 40 minutes and it's like whatever I feel that they're ready to, they're ready for their work week starting the next day. So yeah, the warm up should be as short as possible, but as long as necessary.
1: I love it. I love that line. <laughs> I'm going to print it out. I love it. Well, thank you so much for our tip of the week, our total settle fit tip of the week. How can our listeners find you online? Uh Jody
5: Kelly Dressage on Facebook, or just Jody Kelly, um, or
1: JodyKellyDressage.us. Fantastic. Thanks so much, Jody. Thank you. Well, Phil, we wanted to tell everybody we are busy working on our next book of the month club. We've, we've had a couple people ask about it and we are busy working on it. We will make sure that we get it to you as soon as possible. We want to, uh, working with Martha at horseandriderbooks.com to get the right one for us this month. So we're looking forward to that. And as always, email and Facebook shout outs. Keep them coming. We've gotten some great shout outs. I love it. Um, and I love hearing about how you guys are doing and always how we, we can um, answer some questions or make the show better. We love that. The United States Dressage Federation is your connection to dressage education, competition, and achievement. Visit usdf.org for more information. That's www.usdf.org, the online destination for dressage. And as always, you can find our show notes and links to today's guests on our website, dressageradio.com. Like us on Facebook, just search Dressage Radio Show. Follow us on Twitter at Horse Radio. My website is maplecrestfarmky.com and my email is reese at horseradionetwork.com.
0: I think the best way to get in contact with me is probably through Facebook or my email is philip at horseradionetwork.com. I'd like to thank our sponsors for allowing us to put on a good show. That's Kentucky Performance Products, Horse Report System, and Total Saddle Fit. Don't forget to check out all the other shows on the Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com
1: everybody. Keep your heels down, your shoulders back, stay warm and safe this week. And we look forward to talking with you next week.